Hey, hey, friends. I'm Kelsey. And I'm Emma. And you're listening to Foyer Chats. Here in the foyer, we talk all things business, lifestyle, and everything in between. Come for the coffee shop style chats. Leave with a fire under your booty to take on all the things. All right, Emma, you ready to dive in? Heck yeah, let's go. Hey guys, welcome back to Foyer Chats Podcast. I am your host, Kelsey Pasma, along with Emma Jo Wassink, and today we are so excited to introduce you to our friend Gabrielle Sinicola from Luminaria Marketing, and she owns Luminaria as a digital marketing agency helping businesses successfully reach their target audience and establish sustainable growth. They work to streamline their clients' content marketing around a consistent and scalable strategy, and that focuses on SEO optimization and offering the full suite of content marketing services. And Gabrielle is just a gem to talk to. She has a wealth of knowledge and has an incredible, relatable story of starting in college, thinking she wanted to do one thing when one experience completely altered the course of her career. She is an inspiring businesswoman leading the charge in content marketing and taking her dreams by the horns. So I can't wait for you guys to dive in. We talk... We go all in on SEO and giving you great tips to start out if you are new to even thinking about this or good tools that you might need to go back and check on your SEO, which I need. And we also dive into content repurposing, which is just a mind-blowing concept if you haven't heard of it because I know we all feel overwhelmed with so many different platforms that we feel pushed to create content continuously on let alone work on our businesses. So without further ado, let's get talking to Gabrielle. Hey, Gabrielle. Thanks for coming on. Hello. I'm so excited to be here. Yes. All right. Let's just dive right on into it. Give us all the details. Tell us who you are, how you got started, what your career path looks like, what drives you. Give us everything. Yes, um, I have a little bit of a non-traditional career path. I think, as most entrepreneurs do, um, I was going to college for computer science and business. I went to USC out here um, in Los Angeles, where it happens to be I'm visiting while we record this. Um, And I was so over um, engineering. It just wasn't for me, but I really did love the technical and business aspects together. Um, And so... In my free elective credits, I was really looking for something else, and I ended up taking this digital marketing course um, with an entrepreneur, and I, it just all clicked for me, um, and I really felt like I could do that. I could help businesses doing that, um, and so that's where I really got started. In that class, we got to work with a startup and implement all the things we were learning, and it was after that semester that they um, asked me to stay on and keep working with them as uh, basically a digital marketing consultant, just as a contractor. Um, and so after that semester of working with them, I realized that I really could do this. And so I started taking on more clients and I was still in college at this time. Um, and so by the time I graduated, I was like, I could, I can really do this. I can scale it up. And so um, I ended up um, just going straight into working for myself after graduating. And that is where I am now. So I've been working with um, mostly startup clients in, in marketing and helping them streamline their systems and just put all of that content marketing in place, helping them understand the foundations and build up a team. Um, and now I want to really help a lot of smaller businesses who maybe don't have the budget to hire an agency. And that's really where my passion is, is um, mostly working with female founded businesses um, because it's really opened a lot of doors for me. And so now I'm working on a course um, that recently launched uh, for specifically for female entrepreneurs to just really get the foundation in marketing and start automating a lot of those systems for themselves um, and just have a strategy that they feel confident with. That is awesome. And it's cool to hear how you've kind of niched in. I That's one of the things with this podcast. Um, I don't know if you'd agree hearing people's business journeys and how your, you know, your niche over the years and through college and all of that, you kind of have been led into this specific um yeah, corner of who you help and all of that. So you kind of already talked about your company and what you do. Um, I I would like to know what does kind of your your day look like? Like how much of it are you, how much of your time are you working on those courses and that kind of thing? And how much are you doing more of the client work? Yes. So it really varies. 
um, you know, and I have to be really good about time management and like making sure everything's on my calendar because it might slip my mind. Um, so usually I have, you know, meetings with different clients that are like recurring weekly meetings or biweekly. Um, and those are just kind of on my calendar um, each week. And so like I have one client, I have a lot of meetings on Tuesday with them and they're different um, departments and different parts of my team that work with them. Um, and so, for example, like Tuesdays, I know I'm not going to get a lot done because I'm on calls all afternoon. Um, and so I would say most of my days, like Tuesday through Thursday, um, I have quite a few calls with clients and just connecting with my own team and making sure everyone's on track. Um, we're looking at like metrics and going over systems and deadlines and new strategies. And then the rest of those days, um, I'm doing some of my own work. And so sometimes that's working on client work independently. Um, sometimes it's like separate meetings with my team to onboard them to new projects. Um, and with the course, I really do have to make the time to fit it in there because, you know, before deciding to start the course, I was already at a full schedule. And so um, that's something that originally I started working on in the evenings and on weekends. Um, and then as I got a little better, I started handing off more of the client work to people on my team. Um, now I try to spend a little bit of time here and there. So sometimes it's Mondays before I start client work. Sometimes it's Fridays when I finish all of that work. Um, usually I try to do it in the morning because once I start that client work, I'm kind of like in the zone. Like there's always something else I could be doing. Um, and so, yeah, it fits in there in little pockets. And um, I definitely want to get better about devoting more time to it because that's really something I want to transition a lot of my business into. I think that that's something I have to be super careful about also. If I dive into, like for me, it's um, mock-ups for clients. I get so in that zone that there's no way I can even jump into anything else afterwards. So I have to like exactly. plan a block of time or a whole day or whatever to that. So I love to hear that. And I think this is so perfect that you're talking about this course too. We'll definitely have you dive a little bit more into this later on, but I think this is something that our listeners are going to benefit from like crazy because they're mostly all small business, um, a lot of female start or female small businesses. So I'm excited to hear a little bit more about that. Okay, let's talk a little bit SEO. What is it? Why is it important? Yes. If I have never even heard that, it's a foreign language. What is it? <laughs> I've heard it and it's still a foreign language. <laughs> this is true. This is true. Same. <laughs> yes. Well, let me do my best to break it down. But SEO, you know, what it stands for is search engine optimization. Um, and basically that's like technical and creative elements about your digital presence. So mostly your website um, and how you show up in search results. So when someone's looking in Google, um, are you showing up on the first page? Are you not showing up at all? Um, how do you drive traffic to your website? And how do you just increase your awareness? So basically, how are people finding you? And then when they find you, are they buying from you? Um, and so that's what SEO is really looking at and working towards. Um, and what I say is it's the health of your website. And so are you showing up in search results? And are you showing up for the right people? So for your ideal customer. Um, and then one analogy I really like to use if you want to like, look, why do I need SEO? Why is it important? Um, and it's really just the foundation for, for your sales, for your website. Um, and so if you think of it like having, having this bucket, and this bucket is your website, but your bucket has a lot of holes in it. And so your goal is to fill this bucket up with water. But as you're pouring more water into the bucket, it's just leaking out of all these holes. And so you're never going to reach your goal. And if we think about that, like your website and SEO, your website is this bucket and your SEO is the, the strength of your bucket. And so when it has all these holes in it, all of these foundational issues, you can't reach your goal of converting customers or making sales or getting new clients until you fix those holes. And so SEO is really like your starting spot um, for your business online. And like you need to build up that foundation, fix all those holes, put those systems in place so that when you go to drive traffic to it, which is pouring that water in the bucket, um, those people are actually converting, they're filling up your bucket, they're making sales and your business is moving forward. Okay, I think that was just a mic drop, like we don't need to listen to anything else. That's what it is. And that's what you need to focus on everyone. <laughs> I appreciate that visual picture. That's like the clearest I've ever heard it explained. So thank you. I think a lot of people will appreciate that. And it just makes so much sense because there's so many, I mean, I can think of multiple websites I've been on as a consumer 
and the dropping off points and where I, where they lose me and all of that. Um, I uh, want to know if I'm just getting started with a new site, what are some of those most important things to focus on when it comes to SEO? Yes, this is a great question because I know SEO can seem super daunting. It sounds like very technical or even if you're just thinking about the creative side of your website, that user interface, it sounds very technical still if you're not a web designer, you're not a designer, you know, you're not an artsy person or you just really don't know how those things go together. Um, It really doesn't involve any of that. These are things that, you know, it's like a checklist essentially for SEO. And once you understand what you're looking for and how you can fix those things, then you can just go through your website and kind of check each of those items off. Um, And so I always like to start with five five foundational SEO elements that you can check. Um, And I'm going to walk through them with with free tools Um, because I know everyone's starting out. You don't have a lot to invest in this or, you know, who wants to spend money on something they don't understand quite yet. Um, So I love to use a software called Screaming Frog SEO Spider. Um, And it's a free software that does a really great in-depth crawl of your website. And what that means is it's just going to go through your entire website on on the back end. So like crawl all of the different links you use, how your website is structured, Um, everything that Google or another search engine would be looking for, this tool is going to crawl through that. And what you get back is the spreadsheet. And then you can look for um, the five things that I'm going to talk about. And so one of those is broken links. And so if you have any links that are broken on your website, what they're going to come up as are um, response codes. And that's like a 400 level or 500 level error. Those are the types of response codes that you do not want. Um, And so I think everybody knows what a 404 error is, that page not found. That's a response code that um, the browser is giving you because the URL that you've typed in doesn't work. And so if you have any of those on your website, it basically means that someone can get to this page and they're going to come up with the page not found or whatever the other um, 400 or 500 level response code is. And that tells search engines like Google that your website's not in good health. And so they're actually gonna penalize you for it for other things that you may want to come up in search engines for. And so that's my number one thing. You wanna fix any of those broken links. So this is something that would pop up if you have the Screaming Frog um, app that you were talking about, right? Yeah, so this is like a um, like a web app. You're just gonna Google it and you can like download it onto your computer. Um, and then you're gonna run a, run a crawl, which is just typing in your website's URL. And it'll crawl your whole website. You can export the spreadsheet. And then there'll be a column that says response codes. And you can just go through and look at that. Um, So the thing about SEO is we do have to go looking for these things. A lot of this, it's not like if your page doesn't load, then obviously you know there's an issue there. But there could be other issues that um, you don't see. And so what I recommend is kind of what we're talking about here, these five things. I like to call it a little mini audit. Um, Sometimes you just have to go through and do those and just look at your health. But once you fix these items, you should be good to go. This isn't something that you have to do every day or every week, Um, maybe once a quarter if you make big website changes. Um, But these are things that once you put in place, they should be good for the long term. So like it will find an old blog post of mine that linked to a discount code that I had that I haven't remembered to go back and check that might be invalid, like that kind of thing. Yes. So if you like link to a page that's like no longer there, or maybe you changed it and accidentally changed the URL too, it's going to go through and find all those things. So if it still exists, it'll, it'll pop up on there. I am so excited about this. That's been one of those things on my to-do list that I'm expecting to take like three hours to, do, you know, go through everything. So woohoo. Good. I knew there was technology <laughs> yes. for Yeah. I think that it's something to point out too. If this is something that you is pretty much a one and done unless you're going to redo a bunch of stuff on your website. So this is one of those things that even if, yeah, you think it's going to take three hours and maybe it will, who knows? I don't know. But then it's done in your website is a sound bucket, right? (laughs) Yes. That is the goal that once you go through these things that you fix the issue and some SEO elements, like if you're writing blog posts, there's SEO elements in a blog post that you would check for each blog that you publish. But once you post that blog, once you make this new page on your website, you don't have to go back again. Like it should be good still. Um, So the general website, you can check, fix these things, and you shouldn't have to go back frequently. 
Um, and then when you create new pages, such as a blog post, you know, when you publish that, you want to check some SEO elements before publishing, but then you shouldn't need to continuously go back and check that page. Perfect. That's so helpful. I'm just getting started with blogging on my website, so this will be extremely helpful to get started so I don't have to go back like Kelsey right now. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So after we find those broken links, um, usually those are pretty easy to, you know, they'll pop up on your um, Screaming Frog audit. And then there should just be a spot in your website where you can do um, what's called a redirect or where it can help you, you know, if you kind of go through those prompts on whatever you use, whether it's Squarespace or WordPress, um, it'll walk you exactly through how to fix uh, a broken link. And so that will be a very fast process. Um, and then the second thing is to submit your sitemap to Google Search Console. So Google is the largest search engine and what you want is to be showing up on on those different search results. Um, and so what submitting your sitemap does is it tells Google exactly where to look on your site. Um, so Google has a crawler, so similar to how the Screaming Frog crawled your website, Google is crawling your website. And what you're doing is handing them a map, a sitemap. Um, it's telling them how to crawl it, how to organize your pages, where to index them, what's relevant about those pages for search results. And so you're basically giving it a cheat sheet to um, indexing your page in search results. And so if you use a website builder, um, you can download it from there. Um, but you can also find your sitemap if you just go to your domain. So like whatever your domain name is, .com slash sitemap.xml. Um, that actually is where you can find it, and you're just going to type that into Google Search Console and hit like crawl and tell it to um, go back through. You also want to do this if you make any changes to your site. You want to go ahead and resubmit because the architecture has changed, and so you just want Google to update it um, as soon as possible. So that's number two, and Google Search Console is also another free tool, um, and I recommend getting that and setting it up. You just make an account for your website and you're going to um, also be able to get different alerts and emails when there's an error that comes up on your, um, on your site. If, so if you then have a broken link that comes up, you'll actually get an email from Google Search Console. Um, so again, that's one of those things you don't have to run the crawl again. You would just know as soon as it happens, and you can immediately go in there and fix it. I'm just so understanding how many things are free, that you know these tools are all free, and it's easy, quick. That's... I think it'll be a game changer for people. Yes, absolutely. And I know, I mean, I am all for investing in your business, but <laughs> if you don't exactly. um, want to commit to, you know, SEO, and I don't think you have to really commit super hard, um, even if blogging is one of your main content strategies or one of your main marketing channels, um, or even if you like you just run a blog that is your business, um, which I think is amazing and blogging is so great for, SEO and driving traffic and building up um, organic marketing for your company, you can still use these free tools and do amazingly well until you're ready to graduate to other tools or you can keep using these forever. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to ask. And maybe this isn't something that we want to dive into at all, but I assume that there, there are platforms or apps or whatever it is that you might want to use down the road if you, your business gets to a certain point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so a lot of the clients that I work with in my agency one-on-one, -on -one, they're much larger companies. Um, they have huge teams and like hundreds of thousands of monthly search traffic. And that is where you kind of get into a more complex content strategy, especially with, I'll just keep on the topic of blogs and where SEO and um, search engines come, really come into play there for driving traffic and sales. Um, we do use paid tools for them just because we kind of need more of the analytics, we need the in-depth um, keyword research, all of those different things that are really important to make sure that you're actually getting results for them because you've kind of exhausted all of the other options that would come up with those free tools. And so we, when you need to dig deep, then um, you probably do need to invest in a paid tool. Yeah. Awesome. But most of us will be, will be pretty good for a minute here. <laughs> yeah, <Solo absolutely>. entrepreneurs. <laughs> awesome. Yes, for sure. And I, I love starting with free tools because it kind of helps you get your feet wet. You can get more comfortable with what you're doing. You can play around without feeling like you're wasting money. Um, and just, you know, just get familiar because we all want to be confident in our marketing and that comes with time and practice. And so um, everyone's at a different place too. You know, maybe you only have a few, a few minutes here and there to like play around with this in between, you know, running your business. 
Um, and so you want to make sure that you're not overstretching yourself. Um, so yes, just a review as we go through here. The first thing was to look for those broken links. The second thing was to submit your sitemap. And now we're going to look at one of those on-page elements. So the third thing is that you want to check your page titles and meta descriptions. And so these are those two things that are coming up in the search results. So if you do a search, the page title is actually the hyperlinked text that you can click on to visit the website. Um, so if I looked for cold brew coffee and the first thing that came up was like a blog post, the 10 best cold brew coffee recipes, that 10 best cold brew coffee recipes, that text is hyperlinked. Um, and that's the page title. And then underneath that, you're going to have a couple sentence description, that smaller text um, that looks like it was pulled straight from the page. That's the meta description. And so those two things are super important because they show up directly in the search results. And that's what someone is using to decide if they're going to click on your site. And so you can check both of these in your Screaming Frog report also. There's columns for your page title and your meta description. Um, and you're just looking to make sure that one, those columns are filled in. And two, you want them to be um, within the correct length. So for a page title, um, you want this to be within 50 to 60 characters and have your important keywords. So for example, with the cold brew coffee, if I want to show up for the term cold brew coffee, then I want the term cold brew coffee to show up in my page title and my meta description. And for your meta description, it should be within 70 to 160 characters. Again, remember, this is going to be that organic advertisement, so make sure it's really catchy for your target customer. It's enticing them to click on your site. You have that strong messaging and that call to action that's like, hey, we have exactly what you're looking for. Um, so that's number three, your page titles and your meta descriptions. And you can easily check those in the Screaming Frog report um, by sorting by the length. So you can see the actual, the actual page title, and then the column right next to it is how long it is in characters. Um, so you don't even have to go through and count that. It's like, it's right there for you. So is this something that's going to show up for every individual page on your website? Is that it? Yes. Or does it also show up on, I, I'm going through my website right now, so that's why, maybe this is a dumb question, I don't know. <laughs> does this show up um, when you're putting photos on the website too? I've been finding when I upload a photo, then it has to have a certain, the meta, med, mega description, meta description, whatever it's called. <laughs> yeah, yes, meta description. Um, yeah, yeah, that's a great question. So that's actually something you're going to want to check with your web designer, because if your images are being uploaded as their own pages, that actually could be an issue. But all of your images have alt text. Um, and so that is something that you do want to fill in for every image. That's a little different than a meta description, but it has the same idea. It's a, a maybe a sentence. Um, you want it to have your keyword. You want it to explain the image and relate to your site. Um, so that's a great question. Something that's not on my list, but is definitely maybe like a number six of something to check for SEO. Well, perfect. I'm just trying to be relatable to everyone listening, you know, so <laughs> I'll just ask all the, yeah. all the questions. <laughs> I think that's great, too, because we I know in our community, we have a lot of photographers, too. So image based sites are going to be really heavy and a really great search searchable tool for them to pull people to their sites, whether that, you know, ends up through Google or whatnot. So I think that's really glad we added really good. We added that in. Thanks. Thanks for showing your meta, Meg. What did you say? Mega mega gata. <laughs> no idea. So bad. Ugh. OK, keep going. We'll, we'll yep. shut up now. <laughs> No, you're all good. And that's a great question, too, for photographers with images is um, if you are filling in that alt text, which you should be, um, you don't want to just put maybe your client's name in there because your alt text is what a search engine is actually going to go through. And so um, I actually had a call with a wonderful entrepreneur who's a photographer, and she was telling me that she had to go back through all of her images for um, a client. She had a dance studio because in all of her Meta alt text for her images, she had dance studio. And so Google was indexing her as a dance studio. And obviously that's not, that's not right. Um, so yes, that's a great point. As I said, maybe like a number six on this list um, for your images, you, you want to be using your alt text um, wisely as it relates to your business, but also, you know, so that you know maybe which client it's for. So having that balance of both of those things in there. Okay, I'm going to keep going. So number four, so we've talked about one, broken links. Two, submitting your sitemap to Google Search Console. Three, you want to check for those unique page titles and meta descriptions. 
And four is keyword targeting. So I mentioned keywords when I talked about page titles and meta descriptions. That's that term, cold brew coffee. Um, but what you need to first do is think about what are those main keywords for you. So if you're a photographer, what is the main keyword? It's probably not just photographer. Maybe it's Grand Rapids photographer. Maybe it's Grand Rapids wedding photographer. What is that you know, monumental term that you want to anchor your business to? If it all had to come back to just that one term that someone who's never heard of you before is going to look for, what is that for you? Um, so you're going to have those, but then you're also going to have long tail keywords. So those little more specific ones, um, these are probably what you're writing blog posts around, what you have different pages on your website for. These are less competitive, probably a lower search volume, so less people are looking for them, but they're more specific. And so someone who types in that word or that keyword in the search engine, they have a higher intent to buy. So sticking with maybe the cold brew coffee just since we've been using it, Cold brew coffee is maybe the product I sell. That is what someone's going to type in if they're looking for my product. But maybe mine is organic Colombian cold brew coffee um, or instant cold brew coffee. I don't know if that exists, but something like that. We're getting a little more specific, but if someone is looking for organic Colombian cold brew coffee, they're most likely looking to purchase it. You know, they don't want to just know about it. They don't want to read a blog post. They want to buy it. And so that is something that I'm going to create content around not my whole website, um, but content so that I'm showing up in search results. And so keyword targeting, you're going to make this list of um, your main keywords and then some of these longer tail keywords, and you're just going to sprinkle them in your website. So maybe it's in a blog post, maybe it's in just copy on your regular um, web pages, so your homepage, your about page, but you want to make sure it shows up because that's where Google is looking to see what your website is about. Um, and then you also want to make sure they're in the page titles and the meta descriptions. Those are just specifically created to have SEO value for your site. So you want to make sure you're utilizing them. So let's do, so the cold brew example is perfect. Let's pull it to a photographer example for purely selfish reasons, but hopefully will be helpful. <laughs> yes, let's do it. So let's say I'm a branding photographer and to start there. So would you say that first key, you know set of keywords that you said would be like Michigan branding photographer or do you get more specific in that first title like branding photographer for creative entrepreneurs like at what point are you starting to like describe and break down yes that's a great question so I know you because you're in the industry you would probably think that branding photographer for creative entrepreneurs is still a very broad category and you're right it is but for someone who is looking to hire a branding photographer, do they already know that that's what they're called? Um, so that's where you have to think about your target audience. Are you speaking technically to them? I'm doing air quotes, I realize you can't see me, but are you speaking technically to them? And if you are, then you need to take a step back because when you start to get technical, you get more into your long tail keywords, but it's only relevant for you if it's relevant to your ideal customer. So in this instance, I would say Michigan branding photographer is going to be your like primary keyword. And then you could definitely create content around a keyword like branding photographer for creative entrepreneurs. And that is another, um, like we talked about longer tail, but also higher conversion rate. Like there's more intent to buy behind that. And because someone, if someone knows that term, then, you know, they are looking for this category photographer. They're looking to hire someone because they already identify with the industry terms. Um, but you can also create content that's for more general users. So maybe someone who hasn't quite identified yet, but is still ready to hire. Um, and so in that instance, maybe you do your city or maybe you get even more niche like branding photographer for new product photo shoots, something like that, where someone like would obviously be looking for that. And maybe they even are a creative entrepreneur, but they wouldn't call themselves that yet. So going through those different things in your head, using some free keyword tools, just like brainstorming um, and seeing what really clicks with you and what clicks with your audience, because there is a little bit of test and learn here too. That's so smart to think about what they know. And it's such a good reminder because I think we often forget that. And this sounds like a perfect exercise for me to do on my sticky note wall that I love to charrette things out. So that's going to be my homework from this episode. Thank you. Yeah, it's so important just putting yourself in your client's shoes and thinking, okay, if I'm this person, like for me, it's about client gifting. Okay, what am I going to be searching if I am 
my client what like what exactly and dumb it down even more than what you think it is because yeah they probably don't know maybe I said this to Kelsey one time because I was going to have the word corporate gifting on my site rather than client gifting she's like well I wouldn't click on corporate gifting because I'm not corporate I'm like well duh you're right of course you're not going to do that so I had to change that up so that's a good example I think (laughs) yes and crowdsourcing this like asking your friends asking your potential clients don't be afraid just to ask them like people are very willing to help and it's really helpful for you too. Like you want to speak to them better, just position it that way too when you ask. Yeah, I think Kelsey and I actually can both speak to this words. So nice to have your friends be your ideal client and ask them questions. <laughs> Do a little audit of your website. <laughs> yes, I love it. It takes all of the the stress out and anxiety out of like having to send an email like, hey, sorry, quick question. What would you call yourself? exactly Exactly. which is also why we love the foyer and the community that this has created too for you know our our listeners and followers to be able to build those relationships with people that they can send those kind of questions to because that's just been game-changing for us so anyway sorry enough about us (laughs) no I love it it's it's always better to put these into real context Um, but I'm just gonna my fifth SEO element to check if you're just a beginner. One more time. So one was broken links. Two was submitting your sitemap to Google Search Console. Three was checking for unique page titles and meta descriptions. Four was that keyword targeting. And five is I'm going to call it internal linking. And so internal links are links between pages on your site. So I'm going to link from my homepage, maybe to a product page, or from my about page to my services page. So that's an internal link. We're staying on my domain. And Google looks at things, I'm calling these link juice. And so you have external links and internal links. An external link is a link from another website that links to your website. And so that's bringing new people onto your site. That actually has more link juice than an internal link, but that's not something that you can control directly. So you want to make sure that you maximize your internal links to boost up that link juice as much as possible. And so something that you want to do when you're going through your pages is making sure that you have navigation that all those links work. Remember, number one was checking for broken links and something that often comes up is in your headers or footers. Some of those might be broken links. So that's a great place to check. But also making sure that you're kind of leading your customer through the conversion funnel. So if they come on your homepage, you want them to give to give them as many opportunities to convert as possible. And so if they're going to buy a product, you want to link to your product pages. Every time you show a product, it should be clickable to buy that product page. Uh, If you have a service and you want them to submit a contact form, have that button on every single page. If someone's looking and then decides to buy, make it easy for them. Um, So that link juice to jump back and forth between pages, either with buttons or hyperlinked text, maximize that SEO value there. So those are my five, those are my five SEO things for anybody with only free tools. Oh my gosh, that was so much knowledge. (laughs) My brain's just going berserk because this is what, specifically me, I'm working on all of this stuff right now. So this is awesome. And just want to let everyone listening know, we are going to make show notes of this. So even if, well, you should be taking a thousand notes right now anyways, but we will have these for you if you forget anything. Um, But Gabrielle did a great job of going over and repeating everything too. So thank you so much for doing that. Um, I would love to kind of switch gears a little bit and start talking about repurposing this content because once you get your bucket sound and solid, then obviously there's more things that you want to do or can do and you want the water to start pouring into your bucket. So let's talk about this. Talk about if you have one piece of content, where can you share this? Where do you want to focus? All of that kind of stuff. Yes, absolutely. Um, So I'm going to use the example if your blog is kind of where you start because a blog is one of those pieces of content that takes a lot of effort to create. Um, And so what I call repurposing content for me and my business and especially in the course is kind of that big aha moment for entrepreneurs of like, oh, I don't have to be creating all this content or it doesn't have to take so much energy. I don't have to hate the process. Um, And so repurposing is like how you can get the most out of your content whether it be on social media, on other platforms, integrating this strategy to maximize your effort and make sure that your content is performing in its maximum capacity. So if you start with a blog, if you go to my website and look at any of my blogs, I started there. 
Um, I start with a blog. I wrote them focused around one of those long tail keywords. And then I took that finished product and I turned it into other pieces of content. And so for you, you can decide what channels are worth that for you, like where you're going to reach your target customer. But one example that I love to give is like, what did I do with my own blog? So if we're going to count pieces of content that I can use from this one idea, number one, is going to be that blog. And then I took that blog and I turned it into two to three short videos that I can post as Instagram reels or as TikTok videos. Um, but I did at least two from each blog. So we have one, two, three pieces of content so far. And you're working really hard to create this blog content. And then what can you do with it? So we have blog, we have TikToks, we have Instagram reels. You can turn it into an email newsletter. You can use part of that blog as a caption for an Instagram post. Um, you can turn it into a longer form video. So maybe you post that to YouTube. You can take the topic and talk about it on your Instagram stories. Um, you can do a live and do the same thing or an IGTV, or maybe you have a podcast. Um, or maybe you start with the podcast and then you turn it into these other things. So you can see all from one idea. You can then take it and go across different platforms. Um, but you also don't have to do all of them. So you can just pick two. So maybe it's blog and Instagram for you. And you've already cut your work in half because you're not worrying about creating original content for Instagram. You write your blog, you turn it into Instagram posts, boom, your calendar is done for the month. Do you recommend starting out with a blog kind of regardless of whatever direction you're going to take it? I think that if your website is not important for your business, no. But for most people it is. And a blog is going to, one, produce content and two, also raise your SEO value. Um, so I think it's a great place to start. And it's also really easy to take it from a blog, a more long form piece of content and repurpose it into shorter pieces of content, um, especially since, you know, Instagram, I would say most people would probably agree that like it's easier to create content for like one little Instagram post than it would be for a whole blog. Um, and so it's probably really easy to turn if you even if you just do one blog a month and you post one Instagram a week, you could probably pull four Instagram posts from a blog. Um, they might have shorter captions or maybe they all have longer captions, but you know, you have more um, adaptability from a blog into other pieces of content. Uh, but you can also go the other way. I think it's just probably easier to go from long to short. And well, I think you can wrap it especially into your offerings. And, you know, if you're launching or, you know, basing off your, your business timeline or specific products you're trying to highlight and then building the blog that kind of accentuates that or helps build credibility for that to then break it down into social media. And for me, that helps, you know, sort it all out and have somewhat of a strategy behind all of this instead of trying to come up with random Instagram captions is definitely something I've been working on lately too, um, is, is having a rhyme and a reason for what I'm posting and what I'm sharing. And also, you know, re, you know, being able to repurpose that content from those blog posts. I, think it's been great. And I think another thing that, um, Kelsey, we've talked about this, but if you have, say you have a launch in a month, well, think about what four blog posts are going to help with that launch. And then you can create 10 Pinterest graphics from that one post and you can create, yeah, four Instagram uh, posts and maybe a couple reels with that same blog post. So yeah, it might be a little bit more time up front, but if you think about it strategically, and yeah, you have a launch or a new product or anything, you're gonna be you you're gonna be using your time so much wiser and you're gonna be getting so much more out of it if you do it that way. And I realize yeah. what I just said probably sounded like such a rookie thing to any marketer listening right now. <laughs> no, I was gonna but, say the opposite actually. You brought okay. up it without me even having to mention it, that you wanna make sure that, you know, like why are you posting this content? It has to have a goal. So if you're posting to Instagram with the goal of driving them to your website, well, then you better have something on your website for them, whether that's like the product to buy or the blog where you're pulling this information from. Um, and so in that sense, like, sure, let's start with a blog post that when I create this Instagram post, I have somewhere to send them. Exactly. Yeah. It's such a duh thing now when I'm thinking about it, but it's definitely not how I always thought at all. So I know a lot of people are in that position too, where it's, you know, when you're doing Instagram and you're in the beginning phases and you're, you know, probably mainly doing social media, all I was thinking about is connecting with my ideal client and trying to gain followers and maybe they'll book me, but not actually thinking about the process of 
where will they be going from that Instagram post? What on the website is going to connect with what they read here? How is it a complete sound experience besides just that one Instagram post that reeled them in? Yeah, absolutely. Everything needs to tie back to that goal for your business. I love it. Is there anything else on that repurposing content topic that you want to share about or are we kind of feeling good? No, I think that covered it. I'd love to just give an example because I think once I talk about it like that, most people are like, oh, for me, it would be like these two content channels. Um, And so, you know, once you know what your content channels are, you can very quickly like snap all these pieces into place. I think also let's touch on a little bit. How do you suggest when people are thinking, okay, well, what, what are these two that I should pick? Um, I I mean, I think I maybe know the answer to this, but I'm going to let you (laughs) answer that. If someone asked you that, well, how do I pick? What would you say? Yeah. Great question. Um, And I know we've talked before, so you're kind of teeing me up for this next part here. Um, I love it. But I have a framework that I teach for how to evaluate your content channels. Um, And so again, it's just asking yourself some questions, learning about your business and your target customer. Um, And so it's the who, what, where, when, and how. So you're just going to go through these five questions for your business and for your specific goals and understand like what those content channels could be. So first you want to understand who are my ideal customers? Who are you trying to talk to? Who are you trying to serve? Then what am I trying to accomplish at each part of the funnel? And so if you are still at the top, you're trying to grow brand awareness that's where you want to be aware of. Maybe you have an audience already, and so you're further down in the funnel, and now you're really trying to get people to convert or engage. Um, And so understanding what your goal is for each piece of content is also very important after knowing who you're speaking to. And then once you get those two things, you're going to ask where. So where are my current and potential customers? So that's looking at like those social platforms, even geographically, where are they? Um, But where are they digitally? Where do they hang out? Where do they look for information? Who are their influencers and where are those people? And then when, when can I deem this strategy a success? So we want to make sure that we're not just pouring our efforts into whatever will, you know, whatever will take more time on our calendar. We want to make sure that what we're doing is actually driving results. And so how do you measure success for this channel? So what are those key performance indicators? What are those metrics that you need to be looking at? to make sure that your efforts are actually paying off. And then lastly, how how is my competition performing and where do I have the competitive advantage? This can be really helpful, especially if you're first starting out, of looking at where you can start. So look at who your competitors are. Where do they post content and where does it work? Um, Maybe, for example, for client gifting, maybe you were on Instagram and you saw that there's not really anybody else on Instagram and maybe you think, why? Is that a competitive advantage or is it because it's the wrong channel? And that's what you want to look at um, after you go through, like, who are your ideal customers? Where do they hang out? You know, what is your competition doing and is it working? That's so true. You really have to ask yourself those hard questions of, you know, you have to do what's right for you and what place makes sense for you and your business. But you have to look around and be like, yep, maybe Instagram isn't right for me or Facebook or whatever it is. Or maybe the avenue you're using is right, but there's something that could potentially be pushing you even more. Like for me right now, I'm diving into Pinterest because that's where I would look if I was my client, I'm pretty sure, but who knows? <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, let's kind of, I we just got so much knowledge and I'm just, I feel like if anyone's like, like me, they have a thousand notes and they're just ready to take on all these things. So let's talk a little bit more about you and your business, I would love to hear when you started your own business, what is the best piece of advice that you heard from someone? Or if you don't have that, then what is something that you would want to tell someone right off the bat when they're starting out? Yeah, this is a great question. Um, So actually, my professor, who I first started to work with, who I'm now good friends with, I work with multiple of his companies, um, he said to me, you're doing too much, you're going to get burned out. And you know, me, all defensive, I was like, that's not true. Like, you know, I'm like trying to build my business. I have to make money like X, Y, Z. Like I'm just, this is my job. Like this is how it works. Um, but when somebody who cares about you and like who helped mentor you in your business and in life and you step back and you really think about that and you're like, wow, he's right. Like he knows and you can feel it, you know, when you're, when you're doing too much, you know, you're doing too much and 
you feel exhausted, you're burnt out, you're not inspired, you don't want to be working, but you feel like you have to. Um, and so that was something for me. I actually stopped working with a couple clients. I like down downsized my clients. Um, and that was something I was super nervous to do. I was, I thought it was like a sign of failure. Um, of course my revenue went down for my business because I had to decline some clients and like let them go. Um, but I was able to do so much better work for them and I was able to work on my course instead, something that I really wanted to do. Um, and I was also just like happier. I felt more like myself. I just had more time to do other things besides work because I didn't start a business to always be working. While I love working in my business, um, I love other things too. And my business is a mode to build a better life for myself. So making sure that I have time to live that life um, was also something that is super important for me. That is so good. And I just want you to talk to little me two years ago. Because <laughs> that's exactly, exactly what I needed to hear. And I'm finally learning right now. <laughs> so It takes time, yes. If you could hear the audio of Emma and I on the camera all while you were just talking, it was saying preach, yes, amen, all of the things. And I think this has just been a very common theme coming up in my life and a lot of conversations with people. I don't I don't know if it's this time of the year or this season, you know, post-pandemic too. I think we're all just so excited to take on all these different things and kind of hit a wall of like, oh, crap. I don't have enough time to do all these things. And it is so important. And it's important for people to hear that you did, you downsized, you, you took the necessary steps and then saw the fruit from it. So I appreciate you bringing that up. <laughs> I know it's hard to admit, but I feel like nobody says it, but everyone's thinking it. And so mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just very honest about it now. At first I was kind of ashamed, you know, when you think no. about that and you're, Um, you're going through your head as like a young entrepreneur. Well, I'm a young entrepreneur, um, but I feel like most people would still call themselves young entrepreneurs, even if you're a few years into business. We're always learning, and that was just a hard lesson to learn, but I'm so glad I learned it early on. Yeah, exactly. It's it's life and business, and what what is the reason you started this? I feel like this kind of keeps coming up as a theme on a lot of these episodes, so I love it. Yes. Okay, a question we ask every guest. We want to know, what are you most excited for, you know, coming up in your business? Maybe it's a new project, maybe it's a certain client. We want to hear, yeah, what you're excited about. Yes, oh, this is a great question. Um, I think when we, you know, when I agreed to come on the podcast, it would have been a different answer, but I had this opportunity to come out to LA. Um, And it's been very fun working with one of my clients out here. Um, and working on a super cool new project with them. So that is something that these opportunities kind of pop up and you have to jump on them. Um, and so that right now is what I'm working on. And that's super exciting for the next month is going to be a very hands-on project for me. Um, and then just more in my own business, I'm really, really eager to get this course um, launched and just in the hands of lots and lots of female entrepreneurs, because I know I can do big things with you know, with the knowledge that I have, and I'm so excited to share that. So again, another reason why I'm excited to have some more time for myself and in my business, because this is a big thing that I've wanted to work on. And I'm really excited to have that time now um, to dedicate to it and just to really help other people grow their businesses too. That is so cool and so exciting. And it's fun to see you thriving, even just in this video, you're just in your bougie space out in LA, just killing the marketing game working with all the big shots. So I applaud you and we are so excited and cheering you on through all of this. So you're just absolutely killing it. Oh, thank you. I love having this support and this community has been so much fun to be a part of. Yes, yes, yes. All right, we're gonna jump into one of my favorite parts. Obviously all the knowledge is very fun to me, but this is a very quick round of rapid fire questions that we are just going to sling your way. And first thing that comes to mind, you can kind of jump in with, but does that sound good? Yes, let's go. All right. Some of them are funny. Some of them are just weird, but that's okay. <laughs> um, we want to know what your favorite business software is that you use in your business. Oh, my favorite business software. I like Airtable. What is that? It's how I, it's how I organize my content calendar. Um, and I've also started using it to collect like survey responses and all those things. Love it. Highly recommend. Okay. Definitely gonna have to look that up. That's a new one for me. 
Um, okay, how, well, you're not at home, but if you were at home, how many sticky notes would you typically have on your desk? Uh, at least four. Nice. Are you more of a journal? I have a very, I have a very small desk, but also I hate having like once I write a new sticky note and I'll put it down. Then once they're all there, I forget to read them. So I have to keep it, have to keep it lean. Otherwise, it's just like things I wrote down and then forgot. Yep, that's true. I feel that. Uh, okay, if you could fly anywhere in the world right now, where would you go? Or are you already there? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I would go to Barcelona. Oh, have you been? No, I have not. I haven't either. I have to go, though. Love it, love it. All right, how many unread emails are in your inbox currently or typically? Ooh, okay, well, I have a lot of inboxes, like different emails, but... (laughs) How about this one? It is under five. I like to keep it in box zero. You go. You go. Of course you do. I love it. (laughs) Um, How many beverages are out on your desk right now? Um... Three. I have a water bottle. Um, I have a LaCroix because they have a fully stocked fridge here, so I had to take advantage nice. of it. Um, and then I have a tea, but the tea is empty now. Love it. <laughs> I love it. And it's, yeah, like Kelsey said, it's so fun to see where you are right this second looking at your space in the background. I wish, I wish everyone could see it. Um, okay. beautiful place, yes. <laughs> this has been so, so much fun. I would love for you to just rig yourself up a minute, give us all the places that we can find you, talk about your course a little bit more, where can they find info on that, maybe any freebies that you have, give us all the things. Yes. Um, so everything is basically on my website, but the course is really where you're going to find the most value because most of my one-on-one clients are big startups. Um, but I have a course specifically for female entrepreneurs um, to get their feet wet in marketing to really just get that strategy nailed down to understand everything they need to know for their business and really feel confident in it. Um, and so that's on my website at luminariamarketing.com course. Um, And if you put your email in there, it'll notify me and I can send you our SEO checklist for if you're blogging or if you write blogs on your website. This is all of the elements you need to check for, um, none of which we talked about today. So all additional information that you can have as you're creating more content. Um, But my mission with this course is really just to help as many female entrepreneurs build businesses that help them live their dream lives. And whether that's replacing your full-time income, or if you want to build a million-dollar business, um, all steps to get there. And so I'm super excited for that, and I would love, love, love anybody to come and join our community over there. So, so good. Thank you so much. And I just have to know one more thing that you just said was just helping women get the life that they really, really want. You didn't say the business that they really, really want. You want the life because we're doing the business for the life. So I just, I love that. (laughs) Awesome. Okay. Well, I think we are going to wrap things up. Thank you so much for coming on today. Uh, Friends, if you loved this episode, which if you didn't, I don't even know what to tell you, but (laughs) make sure to hit subscribe, maybe leave us a good review, check out everything Gabrielle has to offer, and we will see you again next week. Thanks so much.